Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the house of the Lord as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now Solomon determined to build a house for the name of the Lord and a house for his kingdom. And Solomon counted out 70,000 men to bear burdens and 80,000 men to cut trees out of the forest and 3,600 men to oversee them. And so the tremendous number of of people that were just involved in in the labor to the gathering of the materials uh, for his own palace and for the temple that they were to build. Solomon sent to Hiram, who is also called Hiram, the king of Tyre, and he said, As you dealt with David my father, and you sent him cedars to build his own palace, Even I ask you to deal so with me. Behold, I am going to build a house in the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to him and to burn before him the sweet incense and to place the continual showbread for the burnt offerings morning and evening and on the Sabbaths and the new moons and the solemn feast of the Lord our God. For this is an ordinance forever to Israel. And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods. And who is able to build him a house, seeing the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to burn sacrifice before him? In other words, the idea is that I'm not building a house for God to dwell in. The heavens and heaven of heavens cannot contain God. Thus, I only build a house that we might, at this house, burn sacrifice before God. There are oftentimes attempts by men to localize God. They are always wrong. To think of God as being in one place more than in another place. You cannot localize God. The heaven of heavens cannot contain him. David said, Whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I descend into hell, thou art there. Can't escape from God, nor can God be localized. And yet so often we we think of God, Lord, we're so happy to gather tonight in your presence to worship you. Oh, yes, it's nice to be here in the presence of God this evening. Hey, you were in the presence of God when you were yelling at your wife on the way to church. You know, it isn't that when we get into this place, we suddenly come into the presence of God. The presence of God is everywhere. You can't escape the presence of God. And it is always wrong when we try to think of God in a localized place. And yet it is so often a part of our limited understanding that we always seem to think of God in in a locality. I'm going to go to church so I can be near God tonight. I feel so near to God. 
when I'm walking through the woods. I feel so near to God when I am walking across the desert at night. I feel so near to God. Well, it may be that you have a greater awareness of God's presence in certain localities, but that isn't an actuality. In truth, God is with you wherever you are. It isn't that we need to come into the presence of God. It's that we need to become more aware of the presence of God wherever we may be. I think that one of the greatest needs of the Christian experience and in the Christian life is to become more conscious of God's all-pervading presence. And at the times when you least feel like it, he is there. In the time when you're feeling the rottenness, he is there. In the time you're feeling most desolate, he is there. The most forsaken, he is there. We need to become aware of his presence. But that's an attitude of my own heart. I can become aware of God's presence no matter where I am if I'll just turn my heart towards the Lord to consciously seek to be aware of his presence with me. Now, if we could only become more aware of the presence of God, we wouldn't need any preaching on holiness or on righteous living or things of this nature because if I was just aware of God's presence... For in him, Paul said, we live and move and have our being. When I become aware of that, then I want to always live in a way that is pleasing unto him, knowing that nothing I do is hidden, knowing that nothing I do is secret, knowing that my life is just an open book. And that consciousness of God's presence is such an important thing for my own personal Life. So Solomon recognized, hey, we're not building you a house, God, that you can come and live in this house and we can come and visit you at your house. Who am I to build a house? As he's writing to Hiram asking for these cedars to be sent from Lebanon and all, he said, I, I, I want to build a house that we might offer our sacrifices and, and all. Not that it's a place for God to dwell, the heavens of heaven can't contain him, but just a place where we can come and offer our sacrifices before him. So he is requesting that a skilled man be sent who can more or less oversee all of the building. A man who is a clever artificer in the carvings and in all of the various types of arts and in castings and, and the whole thing because uh, the temple that he wanted to build unto God was to be a glorious monument unto the Lord. And so he contracted to give unto the Men, the servants that would cut the wood out of the forest and all 20,000 measures of beaten wheat, which would be a flour. Now, uh, a measure is 10 bushels. 
So uh, this is the amount of flour, the beaten wheat he was to send unto them. 20,000 measures of barley and 20,000 baths, and a bath is about eight gallons of wine and 20,000 baths of oil. So this was quite a vast annual fee that he was willing to pay for these skilled men. Then Hiram, the king of Tyre, answered in writing, which he sent to Solomon, and he said, Because the Lord hath loved his people, he hath made you king over them. Hiram also said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel that made heaven and earth, who hath given to David the king a wise son and endued him with prudence and understanding that, might he, that he might build a house for the Lord and an house for his kingdom. Now I have sent a cunning man endued with understanding of Hiram's my father. The son of a woman of the daughter of Dan and his father was a man of Tyre. He skillful to work in gold and silver and brass and iron and stone and timbers and the purple and the blue and the fine linen and crimson. He can carve out any manner of carving and he can figure out every kind of device and he's just a cunning man. Now therefore, the wheat and the barley, the oil, the wine, which my Lord had spoken of, let him send it unto his servants. So the, the deal was made. And we will cut the wood out of Lebanon as much as you shall need and will bring it to thee by floats by the sea to Joppa, and thou shalt carry it up to Jerusalem. So they cut these cedars out of Lebanon, and they made these great rafts, the floats of these cedar logs, and they floated them down the Mediterranean Sea to the only port at that time in Israel, which was the port of Joppa. And then from Joppa, they carried them overland to Jerusalem, which is a distance of about 30 miles, maybe 40 miles. So it was quite a task, and no wonder they needed uh, 70,000 men to help move these logs. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father, in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, and he began to build in the second day, the second month, and the fourth year of his reign. He began to build on Mount Moriah. Where in the world did we hear of Mount Moriah before? As we go back to the book of Genesis, and God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice on a mountain that I will show thee. And Abraham took Isaac and the servants, and they saddled the donkeys, and they journeyed. And after three days, Abraham left the servants and the donkeys. And he said, you wait here. I and the lad will go and worship God, and we will come again. And as Abraham and Isaac were journeying together, Isaac said unto Abraham, here is the wood. Here is the fire. Where is the sacrifice? 
And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And they journeyed together to Mount Moriah. And there Abraham built an altar. And he placed Isaac upon it and he raised his knife and God said, Abraham, stop. I see now that you are obedient will withhold nothing from me. Behold, the ram caught by its horns in the thicket, take and offer it. And Abraham took the ram and offered it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide, and he prophesied. He said, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Earlier he said, the Lord will provide. Father, where is the sacrifice? The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. What a prophetic statement. God's going to provide himself as the sacrifice. And he called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh and then referring to the previous prophecy, he said, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So the place of worship and the place of sacrifice for the nation of Israel was moved from Gibeon to Jerusalem. And there the temple was built on Mount Moriah the same mount that God showed to Abraham where he offered his son Isaac with the prophecy, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now, the temple was actually built on the side of Mount Moriah, not on the top, which is interesting in itself because among all of the pagan religions, they always built their altars and their places of worship at the tops of the mountains. You go to Athens, and at the top of each mountain in Athens, there are the ruins of the pagan temples of the past. Always on the top, the Acropolis, right at the top of the mountain. They're in Corinth, the top of the mountain above Corinth, the temple of Aphrodite. And so it is interesting, number one, that the temple was not built on the top of Mount Moriah, but on the side of the mount. For Mount Moriah continues up from, slopes upwards from the temple site and the top of Mount Moriah is actually Mount Calvary or Golgotha. And you can look at the whole topography of that area and you can see how Mount Moriah gently slopes from the Temple Mount right on up to the top, which would be Calvary, Golgotha. And the, the skull is formed there in the cliff because of the quarries where they excavated out that portion of the mount. And you look back towards the city of Jerusalem and you can see where they've actually cut away the mountain, built the uh, wall of the city right up over the bedrock, which continues from there or did continue at the time of Abraham and crested on the top. Golgotha. 
the place of the skull, where God provided himself a sacrifice. And the prophecy of Abraham was fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ. So, Mount Moriah. It is interesting that the Bible locates it for us for all time that we would know so that God can tie together the interesting types and shadows from the Old Testament with their fulfillment in the new. And thus, the place of Isaac's sacrifice was the place where God provided. He began to build the temple there in Mount Moriah, there at the threshing floor. Now, these are the things that Solomon instructed for the building of the house of God. The building was to be 90 feet by 30 feet, the, the very building itself. The porch was in the front of it, and the length was according to the breadth of the house. 30 feet was the height. All right, the height of it was rather 120. And he overlaid it within with pure gold. So a building this size and now inside is, is just overlaid completely with pure gold. The greater house he sealed with fir trees and he overlaid those with fine gold. And he sat there on palm trees and chains, and he garnished the house with precious stones for beauty, and the gold was the gold of Parvaim. He overlaid also the house with the beams and the posts and the walls thereof and the doors thereof with gold, and he carved cherubims on the walls, and he made the most holy place, the length according to the breadth of the house was 30 feet, and the breadth of it, 30 feet, and he overlaid it with fine gold, which came to 600 talents, or at the $30 an ounce price, about $18 million, what it would be today. Of course, with gold at 500 and something an ounce, you can figure out yourself. But this was just for the Holy of Holies within. So the amount of the value of this whole temple that was built by Solomon is, is valued at, at somewhere in the billions of dollars. The estimates, of course, range. Now the weight of the nails was 50 shekels of gold, and he overlaid the upper chambers with gold. In the most holy house he made two cherubims, and he overlaid them with gold. And the wings of the cherubim were... 30 feet long, one wing of the one cherub was seven and a half cubits reaching to the wall of the house, and the other wing was likewise seven and a half cubits reaching to the wing of the other cherub. So that is the total wingspan of the cherubs. The two cherubs uh, were 20 feet. Cherubs, their wings would touch in the middle. And uh, this, remember, is all a little model of heaven. The Holy of Holies is a model of heaven and the throne of God. And so the cherubim about the throne of God that John saw in the book of Revelation and that Ezekiel saw. And he made the veil of blue and purple and crimson and fine linen, and he wrought the cherubims. They wove cherubims into this 
veil of the temple. And also he made before the house two pillars of 30 and 5 cubits, so to be about 47 and a half, 50 feet tall. And there was this ornamental work on the top of each of them of uh, seven and a half feet. And he made chains as in the oracle, and he put them on the heads of the pillars and made a hundred pomegranates and put them on the chains. And he reared up the pillars before the temple, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And he called the name on the right hand Jachin and the name on the left Boaz. Moreover, he made an altar of brass that was 30 feet long and 30 feet wide, and it was 15 feet high, this brazen altar for the offering of the sacrifices. And he made this molten cast, this huge brass bath for the priest to bathe in. continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Chronicles 2 through 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may your life be an instrument in God's hand this week. May God help you to share his love with those that are still sitting in darkness. And may you experience the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life in a new and a very special way as he empowers you to do his work in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a flash drive of audio Bible studies by Kay Smith titled, A Collection of Cherished Messages. Just listen to what others are saying. Kay Smith changed my life. Her teachings encouraged me to want more of Jesus. And through her counsel and mentoring, I fell in love with him in a deeper way. When I first heard Kay, I was driving in my car. I was so moved that it brought me to tears because I needed to repent. 
that moment impacted my life to be a better mom and who I am today. Renew your strength, please. I beg, I beseech, I entreat, and if there's any other word, I do that too. Get in his word. Make it more than your necessary food every day. Kay Smith has a special place in her heart to teach and encourage women to live for Jesus. To order this flash drive with over 90 audio messages by Kay Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.